0: This is it, the Dreadful Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, talking about the finale of Penny Dreadful, Season 3, Episode 9, The Blessed Dark. The epic adventure of 27 episodes of penny dreadful over what four weeks yes yeah we're talking about the blessed dark the final episode of the original
1: series of penny dreadful from john logan i'm one of your hosts derek blessed be the darkness fellow darklings mm-hmm. uh yes i'm one of your other hosts john i'm looking a little pasty my eyes are going slightly bloodshot and my veins are looking somewhat black <laughs> as i move into this final episode yeah. See the way
0: i threw our listeners off by uh not opening with welcome back for penny faithful for the yes. first time like the show didn't come back with its uh theme tune uh speaking of theme tunes a huge thank you for the theme tune for our episodes of penny dreadful to uh typos or typos i can't remember how you pronounce it but typos. Uh, yeah really good theme that we've used this season i really enjoyed listening to it every time i've been editing it yeah no it's recording. really
1: good it's really yeah. good
0: hopefully we'll be using the same theme for penny dreadful City of Angels or Penny Dreadful season four, whatever way you want to call it. Uh, the original composer for Penny Dreadful is different; it's changed for uh, City of Angels. Abel Krasniewski, uh did the original music for Penny Dreadful. and yeah. it's very evocative of that era. Oh, it's really uh, good. Know, but yeah. I understand with moving it to American, moving it to the nineteen thirties, you would need a different composer. Uh, the composer for the new series is John Pisano, um, who did Daredevil, the theme for Daredevil, which is a, an amazing theme on another show that we covered for for three seasons. So uh, I'm very confident that he'll be able to do the music for the show and do it justice for City of Angels. Um, but Abel Korzyniowski uh, has been fantastic for this show.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. And I think certainly if, if it feels a bit more modern, I think we may need to change up our, our title mm-hmm. music for City of Angels. Um, I'll be searching it over the next couple of weeks, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, <exactly. laughs> see if we can find it before uh, the first episode of That Show airs. But as I said, we are at the end of our epic Uh, rewatch and and retrospective for penny dreadful
1: yes Uh, all in time for city of angels Mm -hmm. on the 26th of april thank you everyone who has supported this rewatch during these dark times as well i suppose Mm -hmm. Um, yes anyone who has shared rated us uh, left a review um, and also uh, for our patreons uh, as well all support any support um, however you uh, decide to do it for TV podcast industries for the dreadful podcast, um, is uh, very much appreciated Definitely. by myself and Derek. Um, so uh, a big thank you. So we hope you've been enjoying it for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good time to mention here. Uh,
0: we will be releasing our episodes of Penny Dreadful City of Angels as they air in the US. on Showtime we will be recording as soon after the episode premieres on the 26th of April. So make sure you stay subscribed to TV Podcast Industries or the Dreadful Podcast to get our discussion about each individual episode. They will be slightly different from the way we're covering these. As it's a retrospective rewatch, we're kind of going back and taking out the big points that matter about each episode that feed into this final episode. So with a weekly show where we don't know what's coming in the future, we'll probably be talking much more in depth about things that may not matter as the, as the episodes go on, just like we do with all of our other shows that we've covered on TV Podcast Industries. But we hope to hear from you and hear your thoughts weekly as the episodes go out. Email us to feedback at TV podcast podcastindustries.com industries.com with any thoughts, any penny for your thoughts uh, as you go on through each of the episodes each week. Let's get into our discussion about the Blessed Dark. Once again, the episode was directed by Paco Cabezas, who does direct the first two episodes of Penny Dreadful City of Angels, as I mentioned before. So, really intrigued given how much influence he's had over the last few episodes of uh, the original Penny Dreadful, how he's going to take on board this new show and how he's going to guide it. Uh, they often mention that the original uh, director for this show, J.A. B- Bayona, who directed the first two episodes of Penny Dreadful Season 1, kind of set the style and set the tone for the whole show. Yeah. And giving it over to Paco Cabezas, who ended Penny Dreadful, giving him the kickoff point for City of Angels is interesting. So we may get a different style to kick off that show.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's going to be interesting. Um I, There's not many shows, I, I suppose, that effectively, you know, are as final in terms of these three seasons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the end of the credits for the Blessed Doc, we get the end. That's right. Um, obviously, classic, um, literary, uh, thing there for mm-hmm. novels, certainly in that time. Uh, but also it feels very final, yeah. uh, that we get that here. Exactly. And yet we have now a continuation. Um, but I think it is, a, a very yeah. different continuation it is uh, within the supernatural spirit of penny dreadful yeah. uh, that we move into city of angels um, and so yeah looking forward to it absolutely uh, for sure
0: and to mention episode written by showrunner john logan he's written most of the episodes there's only three episodes that he hadn't written himself uh, in the entire run of penny dreadful and same with city of angels this is his baby he will guide it and he'll uh, he'll deliver the storyline that he wants to deliver for city of angels as well so uh very intrigued to see what he does after seeing these three seasons yeah you're right the the uh placard at the end saying the end with no question mark no this leads on to another story no uh will we get a season four this was three seasons which ended with a finality to them uh but let's find out what happened in the final episode john do you want to give us the summary for the blessed dark sure
1: Dracula reveals to Vanessa that Ethan is prophesied as his only threat. Meanwhile, Dr. Seawood discovers from Renfield the location of Dracula's lair. Lily leaves Dorian, and the creature's son dies, and his wife urges him to take the boy to Victor so that he may be reanimated. Sir Malcolm and the others head to Dracula's lair to confront him and save Vanessa. They fend off an attack by the large group of Dracula's children, but then Dracula himself subdues them. Ethan, meanwhile, slips away and finds Vanessa. At her request, Ethan shoots her to end the darkness. So Malcolm, Victor, and Ethan consider their futures. The creature places his son's body into the River Thames, and Vanessa's funeral is held. You're right. A certain finality to all of the storylines that yes, we have here. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it really is... Um, I, I, I think uh, it's a a great choice i i think the show has had a lot of great choices mm-hmm. um in, and the decisions it's made and i think here um you know it is do you save vanessa or does she save herself through a sacrifice and mm. um, i think this is really for me uh the right choice made here um it, it feels i suppose the main thing that i i found slightly strange because vanessa has in some ways been out of this narrative a lot in this season because of uh, looking at um, uh, Ethan's story, Mm. I suppose, in a bit more detail. I I think that's why I feel Catney has had a a great introduction in this season Mm -hmm. because it it has been a lot about Ethan's um, story. And whilst Vanessa's has continued, it's not continued in the same vein as the first two seasons. And I, I think here, I would have liked to maybe have seen a bit more of Vanessa. Um, given how important this moment is. But Mm -hmm. I think it is really nicely done. And actually, in the end, I I think I don't have a problem with maybe her lack of screen time uh, as I thought it would. It's just something I kind of noted uh, for, for towards my, these last three yeah. particularly I mean yeah. episode eight she's not in this at all that's right and episode six she's in every scene
0: so yeah the balance towards the end of the season I think I know what you mean that there's that moment where Katrina is talking to her and saying you need to treat this as a spy it's not for a warrior to go in and you wonder about the choice that she's made because there's nothing much on screen of what that choice is and you see that she's made the choice in this episode she has turned to darkness and she wants her friends saved but doesn't want them with with her uh, early on in the episode. Towards the end that slightly changes but um, you're not exactly sure of her motivation until you get to these final moments at the end of the episode.
1: Exactly. I, I think it would have been nice to have seen Vanessa kick some ass here mm-hmm. and, and destroy Dracula in the same way that with the, the doll in season 2 she mm-hmm. subdued Lucifer. Maybe just destroy Dracula is the wrong thing. More subdue him mm-hmm. and, and really make him screw off because I think you know dracula very much when the the jig is up he it's just like he he goes he goes yeah. um and so again i i don't mind that but i, I think uh, maybe that was some problem for some uh, viewers mm-hmm. in this uh, and i think it would have been nice to have seen her you know reenact the verbus diablo um and really subdue him and, and mm. send him whispering off uh, in you know with his Tail between his legs, so to speak. Yeah. Um, no, that's Ethan, John. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, for, for me, my big moment, uh, it kind of relates around that as well as involving it, which is the battle at Hinderacres. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the company is back um together again albeit with additions of dr seward and katrina hartigen mm-hmm. to uh face not only dracula but the 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 hordes of um of the master's children or his familiars mm-hmm. um, and i i really um I, I liked a number of different things i loved the build up um to this and mm-hmm. i have to say i loved um the scene with Dr Seward and Renfield at Bedlam mm-hmm. uh, and her use of the cane it, it, it's very interesting this was the moment where i really felt Renfield being the new fenton from season 1 yes. with uh, samalcolm threatening the force uh, of his cane his mm-hmm. fists his, his physical violence towards renfield um and i i liked how uh, Dr. Seward steps in, takes the cane from him, and just that lovely rhythmic tapping mm. as she leads Renfield to show her, um, not only where Dracula is, but whilst doing that, you actually get the tragedy of Renfield. Mm. There is a, a really nice moment as they're walking down the street where, you know, Dr. Seward is asking, what has he done with Vanessa? And, um, and Renfield said, well, he loves her and she loves him. Mm. Um, and, and you see his face fall and, and he, he talks about, um, I, I've never loved anyone. And, and preceding that, he's talked about how he's taken all these, um, uh, women of, of the night, I suppose, all, all the prostitutes mm-hmm. in, from Chinatown and done ungodly things with them and all this kind of stuff, you know, that moralistic element. Uh, and, even though he's now a creature of Dracula, uh, in this hypnotic state, there's still the old Renfield, and that tragedy kind of permeates into this um, reveal of Dracula's lair at Hinder Acres. Mm-hmm. And in in that moment, he turns to Doctor Seawood and said, "Did you love me? Were you, were you my?" Friend, mm. and there's no answer from I <laughs> her, um, and it's. Yeah. I, I find that really, um, it, it's both tragic and, um, just how it's done is so so good. And yeah. I, I think Renfield's given some great lines here, Um he goes tap 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 uh, again to the beat of her tapping uh, sir malcolm's cane mm-hmm. on the ground he goes tap 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 of the tattoo needle on the flesh as the blood drop drop drops um, and that's just sort of a great little line yeah. um, uh, the portrayal of renfield here is, is phenomenal but yeah um, it is but did you feel sympathy for renfield's story
0: because i don't think i did and I think it's something that we talked about back at the start of season one. The, the actor who plays Renfield is really good because even before he's turned, you have that creepiness about him. You know, he he doesn't just take hookers in London. He proposes to give money to any woman he wants to and then has sex with him at the back of the stall kind of thing. There's some creepiness about him. And he he kind of pleads with Dr. Seward saying, you know, did you love me? Um, maybe if I'd had a friend like you, I wouldn't have turned out like this. Yeah. Maybe it's somebody else's fault that I am the way I am kind of thing. And I felt that was still a bit whiny and still a bit, you know, trying to excuse his behavior and blame other people for it.
1: No, I, I, I didn't. That's not how it came across to me right. anyway. Right. I, I felt that was the glimpse. I, I think he was an outcast. He was an outsider, mm-hmm. probably why he was chosen by, um, by Dracula. Yeah, okay. he, you know, he didn't fit in Dracula isolate. You know, you, you think of Katrina Hartigan's um, talk of Dracula being a predator, mm-hmm. isolating. This guy was already isolated. He, he felt he didn't have anyone. Right. You know, his, his turn for affection was to go and hire prostitutes and mm-hmm. have his moment with them, that physical intimacy, yeah. um, which would have been just morally awful for, other people in society Mm -hmm. so he isolated himself in many different ways and i think um maybe he held on to the job um at dr seawood's because he was that initial face for all her clients Mm -hmm. and that was his social interaction whilst he wasn't close to dr seawood she was accepting of him and i think you don't really get that until this moment where she has him in the hypnotic state, but in a sense it's too late for him. Yeah. Um. there, there is no other route because the route he's taken is the one that's led him to this point. Yeah. Uh, And in, in that sense, he doesn't look back on it as a source of strength, say Mm -hmm. in the same way that Lily does.
0: Yeah. So, and it also calls it calls back to Dr. Sieber as well, right back from the first episode where she met, Vanessa saying to her I'm not your wife I'm not your mother I'm not your lover I'm a doctor who's going to cure you and when asked the question from him do you love me could I have a friend like you she completely ignores the question because she wants him to bring her to to Dracula she has a use for him she's not here to placate him not here to sort out the issues that he has she's going to use him to get to dracula
1: yeah and yeah. i mean you could even argue that renfield ultimately was at the wrong place at the mm-hmm. wrong time being the secretary to dr seawood mm-hmm. who vanessa has gone to yeah so but i just feel you really get the sense of that um tragedy Absolutely, here yeah. but it leads the, the newfound company to Hinderacres meat market where many um, animals have been slaughtered before. It's yeah. a house of blood, I believe Renfield calls it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is really a great um, base for the Dracula. Yeah. Um, I really like that. But isn't, isn't it interesting that like we were watching the extras for this and we've mentioned
0: before the show's filmed in Dublin uh, probably a couple of times uh, as we talk through the three seasons. Isn't it interesting? I'd, I'd been to the Natural History Museum of Ireland on a school tour when I was about 10 years old and I didn't recognize that that's the place where, um, where Dracula has been based this entire season is in the Natural History Museum of Ireland. It's something that I just put to the back of my mind and when I saw it on the extras for the show, I suddenly went. Oh, that was a place I've been to. That is that is exactly what it still looks like. And unfortunately, in lockdown, we can't just pop out and go and see it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what I was expecting to do was to go and see some of the locations where this is filmed, re- revisit them now because they're all real locations, just slightly dressed for the Victorian era. I'd love to have gone to uh, the Natural History Museum again. It uh, Gave me the impetus to go there and go uh, and, and go explore um, Doctor Sweet's place. You know,
1: well, that's his place of work. Place of work yeah. yeah, whereas Hinder Acres is mm-hmm. not the Natural History. No, it's not. Uh, no, it, f- far from it. <laughs> but um, here they come to face down the master, save Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Kertney and Ethan coming up through a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately a, a great battle um, here between uh, all of Dracula's familiars as he sends them to destroy um, this this company. Mm-hmm. I, I really like Dr. Seward's, um sort of... I'm from New York. Uh, you know, she's a proper New Yorker. We're used um, to casual gunplay. Yeah, we're okay. used to casual gunplay. <laughs> and you also have, uh, Katrina Hartigan, who has described herself as being the warrior, the soldier, mm-hmm. uh, to, to Vanessa. You know, all of them fairly, uh, useful with a firearm. And mm. then you have the fish out of water in Victor, who yes. has come along. And I have to say, I absolutely related to Victor's, um, betrayal by harry treadaway and and how probably i would behave in a battle that i've been brought into yeah. where frantically trying to reload the gun with six bullets as there's all these crazy uh familiars coming towards me ready to kill me yeah. uh, i really enjoyed the the battle you know yeah. you have the the swagger of sir malcolm with his new gun this semi-automatic mm-hmm. he, he has his own needle, you know, the sword from his cane. Mm-hmm. Um, Very proficient. Katrina also very proficient. In fact, the two of them working off one another. Yeah. Um, I love her flip up the stairs uh, as she's taking yeah, out the vampire. Really good. Cool, Dr. Seawood knows how to handle a gun. Yeah. She, she's killed her abusive husband beforehand. <laughs> she's also used to gunplay, as she says. Uh, and then you have Victor really just running around. Killing people, but sort of petrified. Well, you get um, the
0: impression that, that with his six-shooter, he shot all six bullets and killed one vampire, <laughs> yeah, whereas everybody exactly. else has shot six bullets and killed six. You know, he does, as you say, exactly the same as myself. You know, I, I watched him feeling... I would like to have the idea that I would have moral, the moral kind of um, constitution, I suppose, to join a company to save a friend, but I know I would be exactly like him in this situation, <laughs> exactly the same as yourself, Johnny. You know, you just suddenly go it's nice to say I'll be there and I'll help out and I'll fight
1: alongside everybody else, but I don't have the skills to do no, it. So exactly. I'm in the wrong situation. Yeah, right now, exactly. You know? uh, but you know, with wave after wave of familiars coming uh, against them, that they're helped out with Ethan and with Katni who yeah. join in the fight. And I love um, I love that moment with Ketney to Sir Malcolm where he goes, uh, it, it's been an honor to hunt with you. You mm-hmm. would have made a mighty Apache. I really enjoyed these two characters and yeah. that, that, that really was a great line. The two fathers of Ethan, yes. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, again, more familiars. And this is where Dracula says that go now. Um, Vanessa allows you to live go while I allow it mm-hmm. um, and it all seems very fine until um, he starts Sir so asks the question of, of Dracula m- about his daughter Mina mm-hmm. uh, and you realise that Mina was just this pawn on the chess table yeah. she meant nothing to him although he does say that her blood tasted sweet and it kicks the battle off because it's like you know um, it's been an honor knowing you to all the, to Victor, to Dr. Seawood, Katrina, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. And um, it, it's a, a great, uh, against the odds fight it here. Well, um, they all think they're going to die, don't yeah. they? As well. Uh, one thing we talked about in
0: episode eight about the dispelling of a lot of the mythology around uh, vampires. Um, I wanted to just check if you if you noticed this, John, in the battle underneath in the sewers as Ethan and Claire are coming in, uh they're surrounded by bats that turn into vampires, aren't they? So that that is part of the regular mythology of of vampires that they can turn into bats. I bats didn't... are night creatures, but you see some of the bats hanging from the roof of uh, of the sewers as they're coming up, and then you see some familiars dropping from the same roof. Okay, uh, it doesn't show the transformation yeah. as such, but I, t- I took it that this is to mean that they that they do transform in and out of, of that form. But it's the first time we've ever seen it in the series, so...
1: Maybe. I, I didn't... I actually didn't take it like that. I just thought that, again, part of the night creatures, they had disturbed um, uh, the a colony of bats yeah. that all flew out, and then the familiars came in. Mm. I, I didn't take it as that, but I, I think it absolutely could have been... Or-
0: Again, it could be a reference to, you know, you're seeing the two in the same place, you connect the two in your mind, effectively. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, maybe they come in under cover of the bats leaving kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So maybe that was it. I think as well with this fight, I think we should all be like Katrina Hartigan, actually, um, and bring a <laughs> knife, wish. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. Victor in himself throws the gun away and picks up an old butcher uh, pole with Mm -hmm. a hook on it. Uh, And he seems to have a lot more success with that. And certainly there's no need to reload in the same frantic way as Victor was trying to do. So I I kind of really like this, but they give Ethan the space and time to go to what he thinks will be to save uh, Vanessa. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, he's effectively trying to save her. He wants her to live, yeah. and he sees that is his call. You know, um, as the as the wolf of God, um, and ultimately Vanessa says, "This goes with my sacrifice to save everyone," uh, and asks Ethan uh, to to kill her so that she denies the the forces of darkness their prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she stops their hunt of her um and it, it's a really you, you see him put the gun uh, to her gut um to end it with a kiss and then uh the fire of the gun yeah. um and I, it, the the atmosphere here uh the set dressing it, it, with all the candles it, is really beautiful. um beautiful atmospheric yeah. that she is melancholic she's you know she she says she's accepted this it's you know um, it's not him you need to fight. She says to, to Ethan, it's me. I was the one that brought this darkness to the world. Yet you see that she still has light within her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want her, her friends to die. And actually she's torn between these two. And mm-hmm. I think that's always been the case. You know, she has embraced the verbis diablo, yet has had, um, a strong faith in, in, in uh, God and mm. in her catholic upbringing. Yeah. Um e- even with um putting the, the the cross back in season 2 into the fire. But it she has this duality about yeah. her. And it comes back in the conversation yeah.
0: between Ethan and Vanessa where she says, you know, that was the end of of that version of Vanessa was when I burnt the cross. Um uh, Ethan's description of him standing on the edge of the abyss about to look over the edge and see his end. And he even then he was able to turn back to God. Uh, I thought it was a fascinating way for Ethan to try and encourage her to yeah, come back off her definitely. own precipice. You know, uh, really good touch. Just quickly in the episode, I liked that Dracula having the discussion with Ethan while they're having their their battle, uh, where he's telling Ethan. Vanessa isn't yours, she's mine. Kind of going against the offer that he'd made to Vanessa last episode, where he said, I will accept you for being you. I'm not going to possess you. I'm going to stand by your side. And now he's telling Ethan that he does possess her. So I think it was important to have Dracula say that while he tells her that she's made her choices, that his whole premise was to get her as his possession as well. So I think it's important to kind of, for him to have called out that he is, evil and he is he isn't doing this just for her benefit he's doing it for his benefit you know? yeah
1: it, it was the way of enticing her to come willingly and mm-hmm. um, almost with a, a mesmerism um, yeah. you know a, a silver tongue yeah um and i think that comes out as well where he says you can go you know um i, I will vanessa wants you to live mm-hmm. um and but he does then qualify that with go while i All allow I know, it exactly so he doesn't need to follow her mm-hmm. he's his bride absolutely yeah. and will be the mother of of evil but he is still dominating her and i think yeah. that comes across in that line as well it, it's very much it's not the willing relationship that she felt that it was yeah. when she burred her her neck mm-hmm. to him in the natural history museum it was quite startling though seeing uh her early on in the episode coming out
0: after having uh, after that meeting of the two of them where she bared her neck, seeing her coming out with uh, her black dress on and the eyes turning similar to Renfield, uh, kind of the skin going even more ashen and the eyes being as dark as they were. I did love, again, a great choice by the director uh, as she walks out to stand beside uh, Dr. Sweet or Dracula. Um, you see all of the uh, familiars dropping to the ground in a bow almost and backing up, Away further from her. I thought it was it was one of those really amazingly choreographed moments for yeah. so many extras to have the same movement like like uh, locusts I think we talked yeah. about before or, or cockroaches or something like that. Yeah. Know, exactly. they all up yeah. Away from I thought that was really interesting.
1: In fact, when they come down to meet Sam Malcolm and the rest of them, uh great them coming down the walls and then mm-hmm. kind of bending in a really distorted way to get back on their feet yeah. uh, was was really nicely put. Yeah, I think as well that whole early moment with Vanessa and uh, Dracula. Mm-hmm. You do get the sense that she's maybe the one in control there as mm-hmm. well, and because again, I, I like the touch. She's dressed in black, but she puts her hand uh, on his shoulder. And he comes up to touch it and she's moved it away before mm-hmm. then. It feels like she's in a very strong position. Um, but she does say, uh, when he's saying that the wolf of God is, is after me, that you know he's too strong, she says, let him come, we'll end this in blood as it was always meant to be. And I think that's certainly a, a foretelling of this battle and potentially her end. I suppose it's ambiguous enough as to whether she will kill... Ethan, she mm-hmm. has pitched her her tent firmly in the um the the forces of darkness camp, yeah. or whether it's her own death, or whether it's that they um the blood is of Dracula. I mean, like you don't know which way it will go, yeah. and it's a it's a nice line that she brings here mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And I like the contrast then that when Ethan comes to her, it's all this candlelight and she's in the white robe, yeah, um. And I, I think that's to the conflict uh within her, mm-hmm. I suppose. I think also the fact that I've always felt that she has been an agent of God, mm-hmm. but it is one who can perform dark magic. Yeah. And I I think, again, my reasoning for that is with Kertney meeting her. He's never met her in real life. When he comes to her in the spiritual connection, he says, you are made for the day, Vanessa, not the night. It's Mm -hmm. like he understands her true purpose in the same way as Ethan's uh, and where he says, I claimed you for God. Uh, So it's like Kertney has that insight into the grander designs Mm -hmm. as well from having... Been an an Apache using the power for his own people. Yeah. He realised it should have been used for all the people of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
1: that's obviously the big moment from the episode, the story, and the
0: end of of the Scorpion. I suppose the Scorpion yeah. story of, of Vanessa. She's been our main character. You know, I suppose maybe, arguably, but she is the main character of the yeah, show for me really. from Definitely. from the beginning. So having her end here it's it's a shocking end um but i do think there's an inevitability about it um i was i was laughing when i was going back looking for some images for penny dreadful i was going through the twitter account for the official uh, penny dreadful and for their live tweet of the final episode effectively all of their tweets that were going that they were putting out with images for all of the cast had Uh, the lines written on it this was foretold this was inevitable and had various lines said by uh, vanessa from from the beginning of the series you know things about um the the air will be pestilent to the humans this all of this kind of stuff and it the, the whole final two episodes were set up as being the inevitable conclusion and it got me thinking going you know john logan has said that it was three seasons and that was it and there is a moment here where there's a choice in, if you take a kind of a meta look at it, there's a choice at the end of this season to either have this show a running show, like maybe supernatural for 15 seasons, for example, <laughs> yeah. or have an end to it. And the choice is either Ethan being the proper enemy of Dracula kills Dracula. Or sends away this version of Dracula and then next -hmm. season it's about Ethan protecting Vanessa from the next force of darkness that comes after her or they end it here and they go this is a three season show where Vanessa dies and that's the end of the story and there's no battle anymore between Lucifer and uh, Dracula for their bride because the bride is gone. And it almost felt like that meta moment where they went, "This is how you end a show after three seasons." Because otherwise, we can keep this going with a for- with a new force of darkness looking for Vanessa next season, and the company protecting her from it, or her protecting herself from it. And that's how you continue the show on and on. I just thought it was interesting that's the that's the choice that's laid there right in front of these two characters, where Ethan goes, "But I can protect you. You know, I could fight him off, and and we could yeah, yeah. we could stand together forever, <laughs> and until he dies." the show could continue effectively, you know? So I I thought it was a little bit... In my mind, it suddenly turned a little bit meta where I went, so it could have run for another three seasons. There could have been more ideas. There's loads of other stuff there to explore. But if you want to end your show in three seasons, the only way, really, the inevitable way to end it is to say, the person they've been battling over, who is Vanessa, is going to take herself out of the equation. And all of those prophecies that you've had written about your ascent to ruler of the world can't come true anymore. So... A really interesting end of the show, but the inevitable end if you're going to end the show after three yeah. seasons.
1: And you have that great moment where Vanessa says uh, at the start um, with Dracula, uh, "Forget the prophecies; we will forge our own journey." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so again, it it comes back to all of these things, like with Katrina Hartigan saying, "You know, all the superstition that has been written about, none of it's true. Mm-hmm. This is the reality." Exactly. So. And I think, you know, that also, yeah, I suppose, in a meta way, is about how they've decided to tell this story. Exactly. Um, I was happy with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was the, the bold decision. I, I think it's the only reason why I would have liked to just have seen more um, of Vanessa, because I think at the start of episode nine, you do get, you know, she's there in black. She feels very confident mm-hmm. around um, Dracula. In fact, I feel like, you know, she is the one that's in charge. Uh, mm. She is the mother of evil and therefore uh, has has this power and status above Dracula. Um, and so it would have just been nice to have seen moments where... Maybe she's been reached to again by Ketney or even through Ethan Mm. uh, to the point where, because then we just see her in white and it's a very supplicant um, kind of Vanessa. It's very different, I think, from the start. You know, Mm. the beginning, it's like, bring the battle on. We'll finish this in blood. And then she stays away from it in this candlelit um, area. The contrast is good, but how has she gotten there? But she's hiding her plan, isn't she? That's the the
0: element of it that we don't get to hear because we don't have her on screen. She's hiding what her actual plan is. Her plan all along is to end it in blood and to have Ethan end it. Um, And ultimately,
1: she took Katrina's um, words to heart Mm -hmm. and took on board her advice she became the infiltrator exactly exactly
0: so uh so really interesting ending you have taken the big moment of the show effectively because that is the end of season three uh is the death of vanessa and and what happens with her but uh i will take the other side of it because there is another storyline going on i think which is all centered around victor and the immortals effectively because there is from the beginning of this show really there is that other story really that's been surrounding victor and his monsters i suppose so uh with john Clare, you, you have it already in the in the summaries we not going to go into it too much but what a sad ending um yeah. for this character you know he did get back to his family you know we we do see his son pass away we we said it was you know it was pretty likely that was going to happen he it wasn't specifically doing anything to that he was bringing anything to his son to save him but what he did bring was hope to his wife that even if his son died, he could be brought back by Frankenstein, which was absolutely the opposite message of what John Claire wanted to bring back to his wife. But it is heartbreaking to see her say to him, take my son's body, go out of here and come back with him alive or never come back again. You know, after, yeah. re- after making that connection again between the two of them, after that discussion with Vanessa back in episode seven, where he decided to put his life on the line or his beliefs on the line that he was going to be spurned by his family go back to them be welcomed back in with open arms from his wife and then to be shunned because he's not willing to put his son through the pain he's been through he's not willing to turn his son into this monster that he knows he was um it's a really sad moment uh knowing that he's now going to be going back out effectively wandering as the monster that he
1: is um i I love this on a number of different levels i think one is the immediate thing the heartbreak that the person who actually accepted him back he he has to turn away from marjorie because she gives him the ultimatum of go now uh-huh. and bring him back alive or turn from this house um you know she she's trying to you know he doesn't connect in with her viewpoint where she says you know you see a monster in yourself but i see my husband yeah um you know he has gone through it he doesn't want his dead son jack to to also go through that even though marjorie would love this resurrection of her son by victor frankenstein mm-hmm. you know bring him back so that i can love him you absolutely understand that in that moment absolutely um, and john claire has to make the decision uh, of at the moment of acceptance he knows that his son's immortality lies in his soul transcending, mm-hmm. uh, and, yep. and yep. going to God, um, that his memories, uh, his, his spirit remains. And I think that comes to, um, you know, the the eulogy that he does for uh, the, the narration of, of John Clare's eulogy for Vanessa as he's watching from a, afar. Yeah. It's that in death that you live on through your soul. It's this idea of pre-existence. Mm-hmm. And the soul was there before the body. And I like then on another level how that actually contrasts with um, the other immortal of Dorian, who sees his immortality in him being still there in physical form, and actually it's the death of his emotions and his soul, yeah uh that he he wants to do so i I find that really interesting, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that was the other part
0: of my of my final point, the ends of the immortals is Lily returning to Dorian, which in a way was a kind of a surprise um because I don't know what her intention is other than to show him that she's still alive, his plan didn't work. I don't think she's there to team back up with him again. No. Um, but we do hear his description of the wicked secret of the immortals, effectively. Yeah. This idea that, um, whatever you love will die and only you will stand there alone, never age, never tire alone. Um, it's a really interesting idea, I suppose, from Dorian. It's this, um, the thing that he's lived through, you know, we, we actually know now, I think after, after this episode was finished, I was reading some other stuff about the creation of the character Dorian. And I always questioned how old he was. Um, you know, I'd always wondered whether like in the book, is he 20 or 30 years uh, alive longer than he should be? Um, Well, actually the, the creation of this character, they, they have said he's over 200 years old. He's, he's gone around for centuries. You know, he, he talks in the speech to Lily about seeing many revolutions over the years. Um, so the character has lived for a long enough time that he has got this experience and this is how he's developed this idea of surrounding himself with nothing other than things that entertain him because he, if you fall in love with anything, it goes. He describes to Lily, if you have a child, you bear a child, it will grow into a crone and die while you still stand looking exactly the same, being exactly the same until you're just an emotionless painting of oneself effectively. So um it's a really interesting... um and scary kind of perspective that dorian has here you know yeah. um, i've talked before about my love of, of Anne rice's novels about those type of immortal vampires and that's her perspective that she comes with in these books is having these unchanging beings living through centuries it's a great way of telling history historical stories in a a fiction way yeah. a horror story way that's the way she has them going through centuries and eventually they need someone else by their side and what often happens with her characters is they choose the person to be by their side after spending a few months or a few years with them and then they have to spend eternity with someone that they've only known for a very small fraction of that eternity and how that changes their relationship so dorian's perspective is an interesting one that's borne out within Anne Rice's version of Immortals as well. It's something, you know, how can you judge eternity at the beginning of it is, is kind of the concept. So he's trying to impart to Lily, you will change, you won't be as passionate about everything as you are right now. And when you lose that passion, almost come back and find me, I'll be waiting for you. And we can continue together. And I'll teach you in the ways of being a passionless immortal, because losing your passion and losing love isn't a massive price to pay for being eternal and yeah. being immortal. Like it's such it's such an interesting idea, and you can see that Lily will not accept that.
1: No, I I think this is really good. I mean, you know, Dorian, what an obnoxious character! Mm-hmm. But in that wicked secret that he, and as you say, imparts to Lily, uh, I th- I think the that idea absolutely gives the context of, of dorian you know mm. for him immortality is maintained through the physical presence actually the sub the subversion of your own emotions and soul in, in you know as it would be described I think in penny dreadful and mm. um, whereas for um lily at this moment and also for john clare even though they're immortal it's that they are trying to because they have been created with no emotion that's what they're looking to recapture yeah. and in doing that all the emotion for good or for worse in their in their both their cases relatively negative mm-hmm. is what has forged them and led them to cherish when they do have something absolutely whereas dorian has come from a part where he has transformed into a mortal from being alive mm-hmm. through the painting yeah. where it's kept him at that same age Um, yeah, I, th- I think lily has that a uh, great moment where she says one day you realize that you are like them looking at the paintings mm-hmm. beautiful but dead and um, and he goes a small price to pay for immortal perfection yeah uh, you know so him it is about physical perfection. Oh, he's so self absorbed. Um, with no <laughs> no emotion or spirit. Um for the other two, they want to recapture that spirit because they're actually born just physical shells reanimated by Victor. Yeah. Um and that's the difference where they're coming at it from. I, I find it was really, really well done. Absolutely.
0: He's so, so self absorbed. John can you remember how you described Dorian at the end of this episode? Cause we talked about it after watching the episode yesterday. How did you describe Dorian, uh, to everybody? It was something like, uh, an immortal member of the TOWIE cast or the Jersey Shore cast? <laughs> yes, it was. He is,
1: yeah, he is like, um, someone from Taui mm-hmm. uh, or, um, the only way is essex the only way is essex or you know just these beautiful people (laughs) that just seem so sterile and vapid and i'm sure they're not in real life but just the way the show is done you're just like oh or geordie shores or jersey shores you know it's just like the the it's they are dorian or they're portrayed as dorian like this and it's, it's like ent- it's entertain
0: me and if you don't entertain me I don't want to be anywhere around yeah. you and I could just move on and find somebody else to entertain it's always
1: me you. me me, me. Exactly. and it's like it, it's <laughs> and I'm you know it's just the way it it's done it's just pure vapidness yeah. um, it does sometimes feel considering how long that show has been
0: on air it does feel like they are all eternals and they are the last people that should be granted oh, yeah. eternity <laughs> yeah. uh, John that, that was my that was my notes just about the ends of the immortals because I do think their stories do come to an end and a really good Um, one i really enjoyed it it is a really good one not a happy one for any of those characters either and i thought i don't know i I somehow felt there might have been a happier ending for one or other of them lily does walk out and we don't know where she's gone john Clare takes his son's body puts it into the thames and allows it to fall uh, to to, to be buried effectively at sea like he would have been as a, as a former sailor, yeah. which I thought was a nice a nice little connection for him as a character. But we don't have any idea of where their future is going for either of those two characters. Um, Dorian just says he will always be there. He will be in exactly the same place doing whatever he wants to for the rest of his life. That's it. That's that's his, his plan. He will live out being an immortal douchebag. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Uh, but no happy ending for any of them. No which I thought was an interesting touch. I know this show itself is not a happy show. It's not a show that's going to end off with a marriage or a wedding and kids kind of thing. We saw that in season two with uh, the vision of the possible future for Vanessa and Ethan that was uh, given to her and knew that it couldn't end with a happy ending for any of the characters. But I thought it was an interesting way of, uh, of closing out the show and it fitted, uh, I suppose, the show that
1: we've watched. Absolutely. And yet, I think certainly for the non-immortals, for Sir Malcolm, for, um, for Ethan and Ketney um, uh, and, and the others, the, the, there's an element of hope there. I mean, I think Ethan is really great in his own kind of solace and despair where he's in Vanessa's bedroom and and they're grieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like when he's joined by Sam Malcolm um, and he says, will you stay, Ethan, and, and you're my family now, you know, him, Ketney and uh, Sam Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, it's really nice. And And you have... Uh, Sir Malcolm talking about, you know, she was the last link to who I was, uh, <laughs> Vanessa. I must now find out who I will be. Yeah. Um, and I think I- there was a point when I was, when we were all top talk- podcasting uh, earlier on in the
0: season, and I, I think it was when um, Sir Malcolm's wife got 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 killed or, or killed herself and i was asking the question is there anybody still alive that malcolm has been around and you your answer was vanessa he's the only is the only yeah. person that was still alive at the time and now he's taken on board ethan as his son effectively so there is one one other person that is alive but everybody else that he's been in contact with so while we say the story of the show is about vanessa uh the scorpion and her storyline yeah, yeah. it's actually about all the people that sir malcolm got
1: killed <laughs> kind of the, well the absolutely line. and but within that there is a hopeful that mm. they are celebrating and mourning the life of Vanessa, but from that, from that ash, I mm-hmm. suppose, um you have this new family uh yes. for Samalcom and for Ethan mm-hmm. um, with him and Ethan and Ketney. I, I, I thought found that very kind of uplifting. Um i I think the immortals are the ones that they're having. That that curse of yeah. being immortal and how you deal with being persistent. Absolutely, and let's not
0: forget though to step out of the individual characters. Let's not forget Vanessa did save the world, <laughs> so when she died, uh, the fog lifted over London. The the sun came back out, and everybody is now able to return to their old lives. So outside of our characters, there is a big positive ending, which is the world is safe. <laughs> yes, and not exactly. Killed. So there is another path,
1: and I think as well with John Clare, um, with him burying or putting out to the river Thames and to see his mm-hmm. son, not going back to his, um, his wife effectively sacrificing that happiness mm-hmm. that it's also the eulogy, um, that he gives for Vanessa here, uh, the, the narration, um, from him, mm-hmm. uh, it's about that in death. If you believe in souls, um, mm-hmm. then, they they still remain. And there's been talk of people's souls within the memories of them from other people and, and all this. And so, I mean, it's interesting, the poem that he's reciting here uh, during uh, Vanessa's uh, burial is William Wordsworth's ode um, in intimations of immortality from recollections of early childhood. Link, you know, I suppose linking to both his son Jack, but mm-hmm. also um, the immortality of, and the exploration of immortality. And um, so, like, it, it's kind of in three different movements. Uh, the first is being death and loss of youth and innocence. Right. So effectively, like his son, mm-hmm. but at the same time, followed by the loss of divine, um, as as we age i suppose ultimately becoming skeptical about all of this you know Mm -hmm. the experience the weariness of time going oh it'll never change or it it, there's all this these words that we've listened to but it's a hard graft it's a hard life and finally the hope that this memory of uh, spirituality allows us to sympathise or, or stay connected with our fellow humans. Right. You know that return of conviction, and um, it's that a more immortality um, through the soul, as opposed to Dorian's one, which is you just persist yeah. um, and are detached, and it's the only way to survive. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, that there is still his son. And Vanessa still live on mm-hmm.
0: in the memory of others and through their soul. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's again a hopefulish ending, and yeah. I think a lot of fans of uh, of gothic writings and Victorian writings, this would be a massively hopeful closer to the series as well, because there's always a darkness within. This storyline and to end it, as I say, with you know marriage and kids uh, for the end of the third season would have felt disingenuous to the show, and I think they did a reasonably good job to to close out the season. Well, a very good job to close out the season. Um, any notes for the episode that we haven't discussed? I think I've, I've talked about everything that I think I wanted to talk yep, about. Yeah, same finale. here. Yeah, yeah. I guess that just leaves what did you think of Penny Dreadful season three as a whole? We started our discussions of season three with the elephant in the room, which was that this is the. Um, controversial season of Penny Dreadful. A lot of viewers who would have considered themselves fans of Penny Dreadful don't like the way the show ended and don't like that the show did end at the end of Season 3. So, overall, what did you think of of Season 3 of Penny Dreadful?
1: For Season 3, I, I certainly like it more than I remembered liking it. I actually think there were a lot of things in here that I really, really uh, enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think... Ultimately, I, I would give this a very strong four, four and a half juicy uh, end of days, frogs, uh, <laughs> legs out of five. Mm-hmm. Um I loved Ethan's story being sort of so um, explored in this. And I think that really meant that Kertney, as a new introduction, really got a fair Hearing or yeah. airing in, in the show, um, and I think that because of that, it, it kind of just the the difference between how his character and his how he was interlinked within this story so well it contrasted with Katrina and with Dr. Jekyll yep. Katrina was introduced, and she served her purpose in discussing things with with uh, Vanessa. I think it was also maybe because Mr. Lyle or the actor couldn't stay in season three for whatever reason or the commitments, maybe. Um, That is what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. But I, if it had gone on for a season four, I'd love to have seen Katrina still there. I thought Mm -hmm. she, the time that she had, it was good. Um, And because it wasn't a character that you had a preconception of, Mm -hmm. um, that was fine. Any little bit of new information w- was good. Yeah, I
0: know what you mean. I, I wonder if with Katrina, because she was only introduced for the last few episodes of the show, if she had been someone from history, would that have actually added to the character a bit more? Um, because I do feel she was quite perfunctory. Um, I think my notes about her is, is very much that she was a bit superfluous. She came in to give some pieces of information that Mr. Lyle could have delivered. And I think the she was a very broad character. The only thing you know about her is that she's a kick-ass fighter and that she stood up in Victorian society to, to uh, the control of men, which means that she does align very well with our major female characters in the show from Lily and, and Vanessa. She aligns very closely to those type of people and would absolutely be in
1: their circles. So you wonder why she wasn't a
0: season ago or
1: two seasons yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, all the the knowledge could have been given by mr lyle mm-hmm. i think he i think what would have been great is if it was mr lyle and katrina mm-hmm. both of them it would have been uh, really really good to see yeah. but uh, for me i still think the biggest letdown was dr jekyll uh, because yes. i actually loved how dr jekyll was portrayed here um but as i said in the last episode for me i just wish he had been brought in a character of that weight was i feel is more superfluous than katrina mm-hmm. um yes it, if she had been from a, a literary um uh inspiration then yes it would have added to her but because she's not mm-hmm. what they did add to her added something I suppose, yeah. Yeah. whereas with dr jekyll you know there's so much more there mm-hmm. and it's not being explored in a john logan way yeah and Ultimately, for me, this was the biggest superfluous um, element. It was, oh, how do we get Lily? How do we drive Lily's story? It worked for me, absolutely. But because he was such a big character, I wish he had been brought in in season one Mm -hmm. or even earlier on in season two. um, And because he could have just matured and brewed and you would have gotten that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moment, even if it was just other types of murders that had happened under the hands of Mr. Hyde. Exactly. And it didn't fit with the Ethan's murders or, you know, the Jack the Ripper thing or whatever. To me, this was the the biggest issue for me. I I think as well, it was a little bit more disjointed, certainly earlier on, um, I think up till about episode five, because they were really introducing it. It was very separated out and and i i kind of in that moment i was missing all of them being at Sam house yeah. fighting and, and so on but i also got to that i didn't mind so much but i just think it was really good season i thought mm-hmm. it ended well i thought you have um a blade of grass which was a great great episodes in so terms of the flashback. And I think the moments we had with in, only three
0: of the actors as well. Like it's yeah. so good to have that And actress. I
1: think yeah. it, Ethan's story and. and Certainly back at his father's estate, mm-hmm. it was just really, really well done. I think, um, and I think the choice that Vanessa sacrifices herself, that that's how the, the wolf and the scorpion come together it, it is really nice. And even with Dorian and Lily, I think that works well. You uh, know, creepy Justine as well. Uh, ultimately ends up being a little bit of a hero of mine standing yeah. up to dorian in the way she does but how dorian experiences uh, and feels immortality should um should be burdened or carried uh, compared to john clare's and ultimately lily's um is very different i thought was, i th- think that worked really really nicely yeah. Um so i i would give this uh, a good solid four uh, juicy end of darkness frog legs out of five um for sure i think any of this wrap-up potentially can be problematic for for series you know but it i can, thought it was yeah. done really well and yeah. um, i i wish maybe dracula hadn't just gone it felt like a balloon had just deflated (laughs) and he just like farted off um somewhere i kind of like that i kind
0: of like the oh okay well there's nothing left here for me i'm gone
1: (laughs) because you're gone you know
0: it's like he's been around for thousands of years waiting for this moment that his beloved amon ra will return uh in the personification of vanessa you know we don't know how many times that's happened the reincarnation thing is is uh not clear in the show but um this is Amon meeting Amon Ra again, you know, after these many, many centuries of him waiting for her to return. Well, if there's nothing there for him to wait for, she's won effectively. Vanessa has won. That's, that's the, that is the end of the prophecy. It's the end of, of the, of the idea. So off he goes, you know, why, why stay around and kill these people that yeah. don't matter anyway? So uh, off he goes. I thought that was quite an interesting choice. Um, similar to yourself. I really did enjoy season three much more than I remembered. And I think just sticking to knowing that it was, the, the final season for the show, knowing it was nine episodes and knowing that they were going to tell an end of the story this time, as opposed to the way normally you watch a show, which is, well, I know they say that it, this is the final season, but if they get another one, they have some storylines to pick up and take on yeah. to the fourth season, because that's how I felt watching it first time. I wasn't too disappointed in the treatment of Dr. Jekyll the first time I watched it, because I kept thinking, oh, well, okay, he's not developed in these first couple of episodes. He's a friend of Victor. They're holding him for season four, but... Well, they weren't holding it for season four because they ended the show knowing that it was going to end at the end of season three. Everything wrapped up. So there were so many little things they could have done to fix the storyline. Like You kind of mentioned it, but why didn't we have moments where he was changing into Mr. Hyde, killing people, waking up in the morning and going, I need to cure this. And if I push Victor enough on his path to curing Lily of the anger, then I can cure myself of this side of myself. Yeah, exactly. Why wasn't there moments of that? It, it they, they absolutely could have filmed just a few scenes of that, would have just sorted out the story if they only had one season that they wanted to use, bringing him in and having the big reveal at the end of the show is that Well, now he can change his name from Dr. Jekyll to Lord Hyde. Well, that's not what you know him for. You don't know that he can just change his name. You know that he changes from a respectable doctor to a beast that kills things, that, you know, a beast of evil, you know, that's what you know. So why didn't you use a bit of that in the season? It it felt like that felt a bit more disappointing seeing this time. Uh, Dr. Seward as well loved the character. I thought the having Patty Lapone back in the show and having her on screen with Vanessa so often was great, but a lot of the time she ended off being a sounding board or a mechanism for Vanessa's story rather than a character in her own. You know, you felt like there was only little touches of what you got from that character and it felt a little bit superfluous as, as we mentioned before, but overall the story came to a pretty natural end for all of the characters. Um, I think everybody's story ended the way it should have ended. There's nobody I'm disappointed with.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um, so overall it's more, uh, as I said, when we were talking at the beginning of this episode, um, overall i felt the choice here is either do you want to see these characters continue for 10 seasons or do you want the show to end with a good ending for all of the characters that you've watched i think that's probably going to be how you how i'd rate the show i'm really happy when a show ends with a good ending Watchmen would be a really good example a 10 episode show that ended with a really good ending i don't want to see a season two of that show because season one was so good um Penny Dreadful is the same. These characters, I feel, have come to a really good end. And Penny Dreadful: City of Angels is not connected to it. Although, watching it this time, I was wondering, will we have Dorian Gray sitting in an apartment in L.A. going, I'm still here waiting. You know, is that the the final scene of of the final episode? Just for a laugh. Not that
1: he's a character, but almost just him walking somewhere on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. I'm still here. Like, maybe with the, you know... We know there's going to be protests and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, whether it's from the Mexican community or there's also the far right Mm -hmm. movement in, in America that at one of those gatherings or protests or whatever that there is Dorian Gray. Ignoring it because he's yeah. seen it all before. Like Lily just walking is a part of it, maybe. Along the sidewalk yeah. or something. Yeah. Or uh, Lily is a part of it, maybe a part of one of the
0: protests. That would be quite interesting too, because she may go on and continue doing her protesting uh, throughout history. That might be her her lead in. Um, but there won't be a connection to uh, City of Angels. The story of Pound Dreadful actually does continue in comics. um One of the executive producers of the show, Chris King, did take on the story and did continue it on in comic books as a comic series called Penny Dreadful Aftermath, effectively, which takes place almost immediately after the end of season three. I've read the first volume of of the story um, and effectively it kind of is about six months uh, after is where the story itself, the main body of the story takes place, and it does bring in uh, one of the other universal monsters, which I think is a good idea. They bring in the, they bring in the mummy, um, yeah. which is which is an interesting idea. Have a read of it. Um, after getting to the end of season three now, this time uh, and seeing the end of all the characters. I do feel it's a little less necessary than I probably thought it was going to be when I was originally watching the show. Uh, I was expecting more answers and more things that it may need to wrap up. But having gotten to the end of the series, I don't think there's a need to continue the story of these characters but if you're looking for more story it's it's written by somebody that was involved in the show and was on set every single day of the three seasons of the show so he knows these characters really well so um so check it out uh, if you want to get any more information and any more adventures with yeah absolutely Ethan and malcolm and victor and uh and katrina and uh, dr seward's in there and everybody's everybody's in there so um to so check it out and and mr lyle comes back reasonably quickly so. Ex- exactly so he's
1: in the comics which is back. always good exactly I think certainly for season three missed Mr. Lyle for sure. Mr. Yes. Thank you
0: so much for joining us for all of our discussions about Penny Dreadful. Wow. What a number of episodes we've done uh, this season. We will be coming up to our 500th episode of, of TV podcast industries in just a couple of months time, uh, just after the end of Penny Dreadful city of angels. After doing 27 episodes of the Penny Dreadful podcast I'm actually not surprised we're coming up on 500 episodes after uh, after six years of podcasting.
1: I know. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us for all of our discussions. I'm glad you've been been enjoying them. I hope you've been enjoying them as much as we've been enjoying them. Stay subscribed to the podcast on tvpodcastindustries.com. We would love to hear from you on any thoughts you have about all of Penny Dreadful. Uh, email us to feedback at com. Join us over on Twitter at tvpodindustries. Or you can join us over on uh, Instagram at tvpodcastindustries as well. Or come and join us on our Facebook group. Great Facebook groups, a bit of fun. There's lots of stuff going on. Yeah, there. absolutely. And pop over to facebook.com slash groups, slash TV podcast industries. Thanks so much for joining us, John. Take us out.
1: Yes. Fellow darklings. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as Derek said, uh, please stay subscribed to the podcast. But remember, we will be back very, very, very shortly uh, with our thoughts on Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Episode one, Santa Muerta, uh, as on Showtime on Sunday, April 26th. And uh, we will be coming with our podcast, uh, our dreadful podcast about City of Angels, uh, the Penny Dreadful part four um soon after mm-hmm. uh for sure so cannot wait uh to uh speak to you then because as always it has been a pleasure speaking with you fellow darklings and fellow industrialists and fellow podcast listeners uh remember keep watching keep listening and keep screaming bye bye